All right, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Beauty and the Beast Physical Therapy and Strength and Conditioning Podcast. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, the hair that cares, Dr. Ross Childs. How's it going, guys? Hope everyone's enjoying their their week leading up to the uh, the holidays. Um, just wanted to make some announcements. Uh, last couple of weeks, we've been uh, talking about how I have a Facebook Live that, that's coming up, and it's actually this uh, Thursday night at 7.30, so if you guys are interested... You know, you can always join my Facebook group. It's the Fit for Life Physical Therapy Family page. Um, just request me in the group, and I'll let you in. And, and uh, it usually goes on for about a half hour. People come in with questions. So if you have any nagging injuries or if you have any health and fitness-related questions, you know, feel free to, to throw them on the discussion board. Um, it's really a great dialogue, and, and I appreciate who've, who's come in, and, and we've created a, a wonderful community. And just one other announcement. Uh, for those of you not on my Facebook page, I've partnered with a company called Wellevate, which is a supplement uh, dispensary company. So I have my own page with them now. Um, so if you guys are looking for uh, professional grade supplementation to help enhance your health and fitness, uh, we'll post a link at the bottom and you guys can go through my page. All right, cool. Um, yeah, so guys, uh, also just check the, like like Ross said, check the links. Uh, they'll be in the episode description, all that stuff. So if you have interest in that, uh, check it out. Um, so we're just going to kind of get right into the topic today because I think uh, this is going to be one that we're going to go, it, it's going to be tough to keep it on in our track. Um, we're going to kind of do a two-part one. We've got two weeks left and then we're going to take a week off uh, for the week after Christmas. So uh, this week we're going to talk about uh, medical, well we're kind of branding it. Actually, I'll give Ross the credit, he's the one that kind of came up with it. I couldn't think of a better way to put it than he did. Uh, medical mismanagement and um, and uh, next week we're going to jump into insurance a little bit. So the topics that you've been waiting for, if you want to hear us swear and get upset, this is going to be the uh, the big two. Um, so one disclaimer I want to throw in there before we get uh, into this, because we're going to do a lot of talking about, um, and I'm throwing this disclaimer in because I don't want to waste our time as we go through today's with the constant... Uh, not disclaimers, what do I want to put? The constant like saying, now not all medical professionals think this way, but the constant disclaimer of that. So um, we are in no way going to discourage, uh, disparage, excuse me, doctors or medical professionals that are extremely important parts of your health care and all that sort of stuff. We are not saying that doctors are unnecessary. We're not saying there is, uh, all we're really going to be talking about is kind of split away from how some of the things that maybe don't need doctor visits here or there and just kind of like, I don't know, I'm having a hard time putting it, but just how, how things are maybe blown out of proportion a little bit. I think it's blown out of proportion, but I, I just believe it has more to do with the way that the medical system is set up. Yeah. You know, there there's checks and balances in there and we're kind of led down one path more than another. Um, you know, really, and if we, we think about it, it's all right, go to your PCP first. Now let's go see the specialist. Now let's see this specialist. Now let's go here and now let's go there. But it's all built off of reactive medicine. Right. You know, so what's the quickest fix to have your pain be gone and, and do this and do that, whatever our goal may be. And and uh, we're realizing as society, it's, it's not always the best way. So, you know, kind of just we're stirring up thought, right? You know, there's no right or wrong in all this, you know. And again, this is this is purely our opinion. So certainly, don't run off to your other medical professionals and say, "Well, these two jerks said this." It's our opinion, and fortunately, in the society we live in, 
we're allowed to have our opinions. Um, you know, we're going to probably share things people don't agree with, and that's okay. You know, we want to open the floor for discussion. So, you know, if you guys have questions, certainly uh, reach out because that's what we're here for. Yeah, and at the end of the day, I think what we're gonna what we're going to try to accomplish is to kind of flip some common thought processes on their head, like thinking about different things in a way that's different than you might normally, but also might end up being simpler than you might expect it to be. So don't think that we're disparaging medical professionals because we're not at all. Uh, This is more about how healthcare, like Ross said, progresses in this country, what things are looked at versus the efficacy of certain treatments. So let's just get that out of the way right now. If you can't separate us talking about the way the healthcare system is built from how important doctors are, then you can fuck right off. Because if you can't think common sensely like that and separate those two, then you're going to be pissed off no matter what. So I don't really care. Oh, we're only a couple minutes in. Adam's already <laughs> dropped an F-bomb. We're not so already guys, five minutes you in. Are, you already know how the end of this is going to go. Yeah. All right. So moving into this, I kind of want to do a little bit of a thought experiment with you, Ross. And uh, so we're going to see how this is going to go. This may be one of those works better in my mind than in real life. But to give you an idea of kind of how I think because you and I think very similarly on this, you're going to kind of take a certain path. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through uh, just some basic, give you some basic intel or basic uh, information on a certain uh, person, yeah. just a, a general kind of like a case study. Yeah. And the first thing I want you to go through is put your doctor hat on. I'm, you've dealt with a lot of different medical professionals. If you're going to see a PCP or something like that, I want you to put yourself in those shoes and kind of from what you've heard, what kind of avenues a PCP or something like that may take based on things I'm going to tell you. Sure. Okay. So let's go right down this list. And when I, I'll, I'll kind of have you jump in when I get to the end of, so Mid-30s female, so no crazy differences in terms of hormones or anything like that. Single mom, works an average stress level job. You know, not crazy stressful, but not, you know, nothing, but a manageable job. Mm. Nine to five, uh, median average pay. So we're not talking somebody scraping by, but not somebody who's, you know, hiring hiring, um, help to do things. Um, normal activity levels, lots of walking, recreational activity, more biking, hiking, that kind of thing. Body composition in the normal range. Okay, Goes to a doctor complaining of headaches, just feeling uneasy, having trouble sleeping, uh, blood pressure slightly elevated, pulse slightly elevated. All right, and I'm going to, as I go through this, I'm going to leave out a couple pieces and, and you'll kind of see where I'm going. But so initial reactions right there. Yeah, so I think right away where, you know, looking at the person's age, looking at their health history, um, their current health status, you know, I'd have to look into, again, leading up to that, have they had these symptoms before? So the subjective exam would have to clarify a couple things a little bit more. But even where she's feeling uneasy at that point, not able to sleep, uh, the headaches, I'd want to try to figure out why, you know, first thing for me would be let's do a blood test, see what's going on. my thought wouldn't be to send to a specialist yet. Um, I'd also look into nutrition, um, kind of see what the eating habits were like at that point as well, seeing if there's any recent changes um, from a from a red flag screening standpoint. You know, I'd want to start to see is this a, a visceral referral pain pattern? You know, could it be coming somewhere that's non-MSK in nature? Um, at least that that's 
my initial gut reaction to at least start there. Okay. So now imagine that you're, from what you've heard of other people going to see their, you know, PCPs, their, their general practitioners, what are they normally doing with these types of symptoms more often? I mean, we're, we're talking in major generalities, people, so don't get, but... Yeah, so they may get to the blood test, but more often than not, they're going to try to give medications for all three of those symptoms. More, more specifically, it's going to be the uneasiness, depending what that is, for the sleep and then also for the headaches as well. So potentially that person could be getting three, if not four different medications. Um, you know, I'd like to think they'd give one and see if that would help, but they may, they may be leaving there with a, a, a multitude of, of prescriptions that day. Okay, good. So that's kind of where I was. Go- okay, so now part two. So this is a, a follow-up visit, let's just say like a couple months later. Um, this person has started up an exercise program to feel healthier and to strengthen their back. Um, continued headaches, noticing more aches and pains, specifically shoulders and lower back, most notably. Remember, this is still PCP hat on. Starting to feel more anxious at work, even though she can't point to anything specifically causing the stress. Um, no upcoming major deadlines, looming major decisions, uh, having a hard time winding down after work and having trouble sleeping. Um, additionally, blood work done between appointments, so slightly elevated cholesterol, triglycerides, blood sugar numbers. So based on what you've heard when you people are seeing their PCPs for that, what is normally happening at that point? Well, they'll probably point towards the, the high cholesterol numbers, high triglycerides, and then they'll point towards the potential anxiety that's present. And they'll potentially try to throw more medications on top of those symptoms. Okay. Yep. Um, how about the uh, aches and pains after starting the exercise program? Uh, typically, they would tell them to modify or potentially back off uh, completely, unfortunately. Oh. Yep. Okay. So now, go ahead, put your hat on, how you would go through this, and then I'll, le- I'll add in the piece of information that I've been leaving out. And don't try to think too, too deep into it because the information isn't going to be that crazy. Yeah, no, I mean, especially when we look at all the information that you gave before, just based on our age and the health history and leading up to it, you know, exercise would certainly be one of the avenues that we'd want to go down. I definitely would want to work on sleep hygiene because she seems to to not have uh, great sleep habits. I'd also want to look into stress management strategies for this person. Um... And again, I'd be looking at nutritional avenues. I'd want to take a look at the amount that she's exercising. Is she exercising too much? Um, what type of exercise is she actually doing? Can we modify it to get rid of some of those aches and pains? But there's too many variables to say that the exercise is, is harmful at that point. Um, so I'd, I'd say certainly keep up with the exercise because if anything, that's probably keeping that anxiety at bay. Right. Okay, so here's the, and I forgot to add in uh, before I let you go for it, assume coaching, assume good coaching, good programming for exercise. So we didn't really go too deep into that anyways. All right, so here's the part that I'm going to kind of flip on its head a little bit. The part I left out, this person lives in the inner city, let's mm-hmm. say Chicago, Detroit, someplace that's not the best place, Yeah, doesn't own a car. Walking public transportation. So working its way back, right? Constant stress, having trouble winding down. She's having a stress like in, it's totally different for female walking home in a bad than it is for, so like the, the point is, is that something that simple for lack of a better way to put it can be causing all these floods of other things. And 
but that's in the way that the medical system is currently set up. Those things are not the first things that are, those are, it's extremely preventative to ask, okay, what causes you stress? Mm -hmm. And that could be, well, I feel all, all right, but then I'm so like, I'm so worried walking home from work. I'm so worried taking the public transportation. It, like, And then it's like, okay, so maybe modifying that is going to be a more proactive approach. Sure. Whereas a more reactive approach, which is what you kind of laid yeah. out at the beginning, Here's is some medication. medication for, and I'm not saying that people don't need it, so don't take it that way, but anxiety medication and cholesterol medication and all that other stuff because those are the symptoms, but they are not the cause of the issue. Correct. It's going to cause other issues based on something that could have been fixed with a, a small fix. You know, not people can't necessarily choose where to live, but there are ways to work around that yeah. that don't involve being medicated. Well, and that that really goes into looking at the person, the entire person that's in front of you, not just the, these diagnoses or, or symptoms. You know, because it could just be a simple fix as. Well, this this younger female who's a single mother is walking through the inner city. She's potentially risking her life every time she does that, which yep. could could be creating that stress. So um, there's far too much of that in in the medical system, and, and unfortunately, a lot of it is built off of algorithms. You know, they don't take one person into account. It's you know, check 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 check. All right, move on to this. All right, check 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 check. All right, based off of that, we're going to give you this. You know, and that's reactive medicine. And that's assuming everyone's the same. You know, it's, it's, I, I've told the story about um, one of the patients. I, I was talking to one of my patients about her. But 61-year-old woman tripped in the woods, climbing over a tree that fell down while walking her dog. She went in. Doctor said, well, you're old. You're starting to lose your balance. You should use an assisted device. It's like, here's a woman who's 61, extremely active, and fell climbing over a tree. It's not like she was just walking through a house. It was a slip and fall. So that's that's a perfect example of how they didn't look at the person in front of them. They looked at her age. They looked at a fall and said, well, she needs an assisted device. She's a falls risk. Right. No, she's not. So in a case of uh, you know the, the early 30-something-year-old single mother, relatively healthy, but also has that stress. Right. So and then you can throw all those meds at it. You know, the anti-anxiety med, the, the sleep medication, that's not going to protect her while walking through the streets in the inner city. Right. You know, and that's that's the sad part, you know. And in our schooling, you know, we're taught, you know, ask the patient what their perception of their problem is. You know, and how many, how many healthcare professionals actually do that? You know, what do you think is wrong with you? I don't remember the last time I was asked that. Nope. It's just one of those things. So, you know, we just want to take that into account, asking them what they think is wrong with them, what they think they need, what do they actually think can help them, and then what's a successful outcome look like? You know, because maybe she said, I really just want to feel safe when I walk through the inner city. Well, you don't have to worry about the slightly elevated cholesterol and triglycerides and potential anxiety and, and all those other things, you know. Plus, we have to start worrying about the side effects of all these medications on top of that. Yep. Plus, at 30 years old... With a normal BMI, she should be able to manage those with nutrition, exercise, stress management. Right. You know, it should be as simple as that. All proactive approaches to what's going on. Yeah. I mean, it's really prevention versus versus the reactivity. Right. You know, we've discussed that multiple times, and we'll continue to discuss that. Yeah, and I think the um, 
Oh, crap, I lost my train of thought. No, and I think that it's it's important to remember that we're talking about, and I know that if there are medical professionals that are hearing this, they probably one of the first things is like, yeah, I'd love to ask every, like the ones that are, you know, know what they're doing and care about, not that they don't care, but you know what I mean. Again, yeah. I'm not I'm not spending the time, uh, whatever. But um, they probably want to be doing that. They can't. The problem with the reactive medicine is it creates a system where anytime something happens, you want to be seen by, or like people want to be seen by a doctor for basic aches, pains, very mild symptoms. And it's not that that isn't important, but it also then creates this system where you have one doctor seeing 5,000 patients and they can only see this patient for 10 minutes. They can only see this patient for 10 minutes. It's the system that continues to cycle Sick. And make things harder. Yeah. It cycles sick people. Right. There, there's no money in health. It's true. I mean, what we live in is is sick care, disease care. It's not health care. Right. You know, that's that's the sad part. So people are starting to see the light. We're still not there. We're not out of the woods. But right. people, I think, are all of a sudden realizing, especially with, with the, the shit we're living through right now. Yeah. Um, you know, health is one of those things that, we do have control over. Yeah. Unfortunately, we don't think about it until it's taken away from us. So for those of us who worry about health ahead of time, hopefully we're ahead of the curve. But, you know, a lot of these people that are, whether they're long haulers due to COVID or whether they have had some comorbidities, you know, they need to recognize that, you know, the medical system can only do so much for them. You know, it, it manages their symptoms, but it, it doesn't make them healthy. Right. And that's the unfortunate reality of it. Yeah, and we've gotten into kind of uh, an area where you can you, you can solve everything, solve, in quotes, everything easily. You have pain, okay, take this for pain. You have a, an elevated cholesterol level, take this for that, take this for that, take this for that. And I'm not saying that pharmaceuticals are to blame for everything, but in, in our system, it, it makes it very, very easy to not take proactive medicine seriously because sure. if you run into a problem there's a way to fix it well it's very easy just to, to pop a pill and move on right you know it doesn't take any work to do that right you know and that's that's the unfortunate reality of of where we're at you know as a as a society is that we don't put enough emphasis on on true health and and when we look at health there's a multiple domains of health there's physical and emotional and um socioeconomic things along those lines but no one does anything about it. Right. You know, they, they either try to eat healthy and then the rest of their domains are, are shit or, or, you know, maybe two out of the three are good and that really, the, the last domain is really the worst one and that's what's preventing them from being truly healthy. But these are things that people, they themselves, they either, one, need to find a group of people or a group of healthcare professionals that aligns with them and what they think their healthy life should look like. Right. Because our current medical system does not set us up for that. Right. And we are very much, especially in this country where everything is so go, go, go all the time, we are very much liable to see what's directly in front of us and not what's down the road. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, some people are really good at planning ahead and all that kind of stuff, but in this country, more than a, more than a lot of the others that I know of, I, you know, I, a lot of more first world type countries, we sacrifice our health and our um, 
our health, our wellness for, you know, our job, our, not that you, you know, aren't sacrificing for your kids and your parents and people that rely on you, but you get, it gets pushed so far down the ladder. It's not that, you know, obviously you put your kids before yourself and all that kind of stuff, but it's like kids, job, grocery store, you know, it's, it's 60 items down on the list versus being third on the list. And we, and like you said, you, you, you can't feel heart disease until you have a heart attack. You know, you can't feel like you can't feel back pain until you have back pain. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And by that time you have to do so much work to undo what you've been doing for years, putting it off, putting it off, putting it off and just playing the odds that then it's an uphill battle. And that's where people get discouraged. Correct. They get they you, they come in and they see you, and maybe that's not a good example. Somebody who's you know had all of a sudden has back pain, mm-hmm. and you're treating them. Let's say they're 50 years old. They haven't really done a whole ton of exercise, but you just got you're working through these layers of chronic tightness, chronic scar, uh, all this stuff that you know when you're putting your fingers on them is going to take hours. Of work, of manual work, of work by you, stretching, release, strength, Mm -hmm. that it's so daunting to that person where instead they have pain and they could could get, in quotes, a surgery to fix it or they could take this to fix the pain. The pain isn't the problem. The pain is the symptom of everything else that's going on. Correct. And that's... That's tough to reconcile. And unfortunately, because we're taught from such a young age to be reactive with our health, that just continues on through the rest of our lives. Oh, it's just a perpetual cycle, you know, and then we've all fallen into it at one time. You know, mm-hmm. luckily some of us can get out of it. Um, but really, when you, when you just look at, especially our, our country as a whole, you know, we spend a lot on our, our gross domestic product on health care, but yet our health is fucking terrible. You know, when we have, you know, our mortality risk, our, our average lifespan, you know, it, it's worse than other countries, you know, and that's, that's, that's the sad part. We have the, and, and again, I say this, we have the most innovative medicine, the, the best hospitals in the world, and our health still sucks. And we don't change anything about it. That's the sad part. I mean, that's, a, that's an insanity, isn't it? Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting, expecting a, different a different result. result. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it, our health... Our health care, our, our, the way we view health is insanity. Right. We're not doing anything to change it. You know? And then you have someone that comes along and says, oh, well, eat this way. Oh, he's an asshole. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Right. Or eat more vegetables. Ah, what the hell do they know? Oh, eat more meat. No, no, no. It's bad for you. Do this. Do that. No wonder everyone's confused. Right. No one gets along. No one can agree with anything. Um, you know, so it's, 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 it's hard as a, as a healthcare professional. I'm sure it's hard for you as a coach because you see so many people. And they have their own way of thinking. It's sometimes hard for them to get out of their own way. And they want your opinion. Sometimes they'll agree with you. Sometimes they won't. And, you know, it's how do you how do you sift through all of the information to provide what's best for the person in front of you? Yeah. You know, it's. I'm sure you've had people ask you about, you know, let's take nutrition, for example. You know, keto, paleo, carnivore, vegan, whatever the hell else is out there now. Yeah. I don't even know at this point. But I'm sure you've heard it, you know. Well, what's the best one? <laughs> How fuck do I know? Jesus. It's like I know there are certain things 
that are not that good for our body. Mm-hmm. And, and I always love when people are like, well, well, sugar's not the problem. You're right, sugar's not the problem. But with the amount of sugar that we eat per year per right. American is the problem. And then all the other processed and refined bullshit that goes into it and the chemicals that we take in. And um, that's where the problem lies. You know, I don't care if someone's a meat eater or a non meat eater. That, that's not up for me to decide. But if you're eating shit, your health is going to be shit. Yeah. It's just the reality of it. And let's be real. Like the, the whole goal, we, we talked about it in the first episode. We've talked about it in some way or form in every single episode. At the end of the day, do you feel good? Do you feel healthy? Or do you feel sick? Or do you feel, you know, whatever? If you're the, you know, the 1% that, I don't even know if this is a thing. If you're some genetically advanced human who's uh, adapted to our American diet and you can feel the same as I do eating all whole foods and feeling fantastic on pizza, Coke, and Coca-Cola, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) On pizza, Coca-Cola, and ice cream yeah then sweet good for you you won the genetic the american diet genetic lottery but they're called teenagers right exactly but that that doesn't happen and and you know and it's all about finding balance you know we uh, we'll try not to get too far on the nutrition thing but a lot of the issues come from Every, trying to do all one thing or all the other. I can't have any grains. I can't have any sugar. I can't. They told me sugar's bad. They told me the yolks in my eggs are bad. They told me that the that milk is bad. Well, now milk is great for you. Well, now milk is bad again. Well, now eggs are great for you. Well, now eggs are bad. Well, now nightshades are terrible for you. So I can't have any tomatoes or peppers. Like, it, it's so okay. Try it. Eat nothing but sugar. You're gonna feel like shit. Okay, now have a little bit here and then. Guess what? You're probably, unless you're going apeshit crazy on Sunday and having all your sugar in one day, you're probably not going to feel that bad having a little bit of sugar here and there. Like, but that's the problem is everything is so, okay, I I lost track of it. So how am I going to react? I'm going to go on a diet Mm. and I'm going to lose a shit ton of weight. And then what's going to happen? Because I fucked around with everything. Again, the pendulum swings way back the other direction. It's the same thing with medicine. The symptom is I have pain. The symptom is I'm overweight. So what's the answer? The diet or the pill, the short-term fix to solve the problem in quotes. That's really a symptom of your nutrition principles, your exercise principles. It's not that you're... It's not that dieting and losing 30 pounds is going to solve everything for you. It's that figuring out how to find balance in your nutrition, your exercise, and just your overall stress management is going to help you. But that's take time. It takes effort. It's proactive. It's behavior change. Exactly. Which is way harder. Anybody that has kids, I don't have kids, but I know enough to know that when you're talking about behavior change, you can see it right there. It's not easy when you're trying to get someone to change, never mind yourself. Yep. As an adult who's built these patterns over 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. That's just hard. Oh, absolutely. You know, and especially with the information that they take in from what we call our public health professionals, right. and they're spewing out bullshit that, that's wrong, absolutely wrong. 
but we don't know any better. Right. You know, so it's not that it's not that people are wrong. It's just they're believing what they're told, which was wrong to begin with. Right. You know, that's uh, it's a sad state of our, our uh, just the health of our society. You know? It really is. Well, and the problem is people can't get out of their own way. Yeah. You know, people don't want to get out of their own way. I should say that, too, because there are plenty of people that are just they're blind to it. They're naive. They're. Um, I'll say ignorance is bliss, but you know those are the people that are usually happy, so we'll leave them alone. But for the people that complain about it and do nothing about it, you know this this reactive healthcare works great for them. Right. You know now they're coming out with pills now that they're saying, oh, this th- take this pill, it's not going to make you gain weight. Why? Yeah. That just promotes eating like shit. Right. And then something exactly. else. Is, yeah, you won't gain weight, but your entire system's going to shut down, whether it's going to be kidney failure, or you're going to have some type of cardiovascular disease. We just, we just, we as a society, not you and I, we as a society just go about it all, all wrong, you know? And, and, and again, that's just general assumption. There are the, those of us who, who go about it the, the right way or, or a less fucked up way. And, <laughs> You know, we, we seem to be doing okay, but, you know, we, we need people to take control, you know, and, that, and whether that's nutrition or whether that's stress management or whether that's exercise or whether that's being their own advocate in our medical system, you know, people need to take charge. You know, it needs to be a collaborative approach with whatever professional that you're working with. And unfortunately, people still hold healthcare professionals up on on a pedestal and and it needs to be a collaborative approach and I think if people understood that you know they'd have better outcomes in the medical system that we're in right and I think it's important to remember that like you know depending on the medical professional we're all mass highly experienced in different things you know what I mean like it the amount of information that you have to know memorize, be able to uh, practice this, the things that you have to be able to do, the strict number to be a doctor is so unbelievably high. Is it really that surprising to know that maybe one of the places they fall short is how exercise affects uh, a person, how mm-hmm. stress management affects. And it, like you can't, you can't really fault them for that. But it's it's not necessarily that maybe a doctor doesn't have as much experience in how exercise affects the body and why it's so important or why, you know, nutrition can be so important so that somebody doesn't even have to go see that professional. But we tend to think that doctors, especially in this country, know literally everything. So then when a a medical professional, I shouldn't say medical professional because I don't, I don't know, health and wellness, whatever, tells them that maybe the answer isn't to completely back off your exercise and not pick up heavy stuff when your doctor just told you, well, to be careful of your back, we don't want you lifting heavy weights. For those of you at home, that is so fucking frustrating for us as med- as healthcare professionals. I don't even know what to classify. I don't even know what I fall into because I just get somebody says personal trainer and then I fall down below the ankles on the same scale of the doctor that's up above the head. And it... That's all right. P- PTs are at the lower rung of the... Uh... Okay, yeah. So, like, I'm at the ankles and you're somewhere around the knee. Yeah, somewhere around <laughs> So, like... And that's the part that's frustrating, I think. Uh, it, it's... Is that anytime you... Anytime you talk about wellness in, in terms of, like, what you're eating or what you're doing... 
you're like you're part of TB12. Like you're just you're on the yeah. absolute outs of society. You're a maniac. You're a pariah. I can't pariah is not the right word, but you're. Well, and then again, it's an avenue that we should be talking about that that a lot of healthcare professionals don't talk about. Right. You know why? Why ask someone about their food? Why ask them about the food that they put into their body? You know, and whether we want to think of it as fuel or not, that that's not the question here. But it's why can't we ask them the the four simple things to start off with? You know, do you exercise? What are your eating habits like? Do you do you feel like you have stress? And if so, what are your stress management strategies? And what's your sleep like? I mean, we can start right there. That that's kind of health in a nutshell. Yep. You know. It, would it be so hard to believe that someone getting eight hours of uninterrupted sleep, hell, I'll even give you six hours of uninterrupted sleep, helps their stress so that then they don't eat shittier foods and when they're not eating shitty foods, they feel healthier to move? Wow. I mean, that, that's a recipe right there. I mean, we should be prescribing exercise and nutrition and sleep hygiene no differently than than medical doctors prescribe medications, you know. And that's here. Here's your prescription. I want you to exercise three to five times a week. They don't move. I mean, no no one yells at them. I mean, people look at movement and they're like, oh, I don't have to move. I'll just take these three pills a day for ninety days, and then I'll go get it refilled, and I'll be fine. Right. So it's like, oh, you know, you can probably reverse why you're taking those in the first place by moving, by eating right, by sleeping well, by having stress management strategies. So it's, <laughs> it, it's, it just sucks that in today's world, we don't discuss those things. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're such a evolved society, supposedly, you know, but we've gotten so far away from the simple things that we need to live and thrive. Right. You know, so if we just reverse that trend and, and start asking those four simple things, I think we'd see a lot of uh, the, the preventative diseases right. start start to reverse themselves. And it, it's amazing to me the more that, I mean, you're obviously, I'm just starting to, you know, read into it a little bit more about just how harmful stress can actually be on the body and how it it can be the background cause of uh, so many everything. different everything. Yeah, I, I was hesitating to say everything because I didn't know if it was too much, but yeah, nope, really. Everything. And so, like, uh, I'll let you kind of jump in because you know you're a lot further into that than I am. Some different stress management and like how that can lead to some of these issues. But so, like, one example I've been thinking of recently is okay. So, what is something that it, you have generations of like police officers, firefighters, the same family? You know, my granddad's granddad was a police officer. My grandfather's police officer. My dad was a police officer. I'm a police officer. My son's going to be a police officer. What do those families tend to always have in common? Often it's heart disease, something. Usually it's heart disease. That's like a thing, right? So flipping some things on its head, maybe you don't have a genetic. I mean, there are genetic factors involved with everything, but maybe you don't have a genetic predisposition for heart disease. Maybe you have an genetic genetic in the fact that it was your parents but a learned pattern of poor stress management or just everybody is dealing with such stressful things that that is the reason that you have a list of perceived genetic issues with heart disease maybe it's not that you have the one gene that makes your your arteries clogged Mm -hmm. maybe it's that you have seven generations of people that have been doing the same stressful job 
and granddad drank himself to death to deal with the things that he saw and dad you know was turned to anger whatever and then you know maybe maybe johnny has great coping mechanisms but he buries everything down deep and then you know it 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 varies person to person. I'm not saying that that is prescriptive of any emergency service personnel, but people cope and stress leads to this stuff. So maybe it's not genetic. Maybe it's not, not, not genetic. Again, probably, probably behavioral. Cause even even looking at Johnny or any of the younger generations, now they're going to have to live up to those that came before them and there's stress placed there. And, you know, depending where they're, they're working, um, you know, and, and, you know, the whole point of like epigenetics is that, you know, we all have these traits. We all have the ability for, you know, cardiovascular disease. Some people it turns on, some people it turns off, you know, or we have the ability of how it basically announces itself. You know, just because your parents had something doesn't mean you're going to have it. It's not an inevitability. You know, people don't recognize that. You know, if, if, for example, you know, someone's dad has, has heart disease but never exercised, smoked, drank, ate like shit. Does that mean I'm going to end up with heart disease? No, it does not. Because, you know, I, I rarely drink. I don't smoke. I exercise. You know, I, I try to get a decent amount of sleep. So the probability of me getting that is drastically reduced. Mm-hmm. You know, there's always a probability. But I'm giving myself the best chance that it never happens. So I, I think sometimes people also use that as an excuse. You know, oh, you know, my dad had high blood pressure. His dad had high blood pressure. I have high blood pressure. It's like, is it, is it really a genetic thing, or, or do you guys all just have poor stress management strategies? Right. You know, are you sole providers for the family, so are you worried about that, where you have to make the mortgage and pay for groceries and pay for clothes for the kids? And um, there's just there's, there's far too many factors. But we do know that just because our family members have it doesn't mean we're gonna get it. But if we follow down the same path. Chances are good that we're going to get it. Right. So it's up to us at the end of the day that we have to make that decision. You know, and again, it comes back to taking control of your health. You know, if I know that factors X, Y, and Z increase the likelihood of me having a stroke, well, I'm going to do everything I can to not have a stroke. Right. I mean, at least that's the way I look at it. You know, I don't know if other people want a stroke, but, you know, it's not, it's not on my list of things to do. Right. And I think it, it, like, and the the difference too is so vast. Like, okay, maybe you know you and I are you know we both have the same family history. Let I mean, let's just say for argument's sake, we both are exactly the same in how we handle our you know our stress, our health, our fitness, and we may both hit fifty years old at the same time. And I have a stroke at 50 years old and you don't. There's still genetics involved in that. And it's not to say that some people don't need those things to help them. But the case is, is that it's a fuck ton easier to just like try and be proactive about it. To like eat well, you know, in quotes, whatever that means for you. Mm -hmm. To keep moving than it is to just play the odds and hope that you come up lucky when you pull the lever at age 50. Like, what I, I I have a hard time understanding sometimes why I shouldn't say people take that make that um that choice because it's not it's it's not necessarily a choice. But my point is is that those reactive are those reactive things that happen are so much more severe to what 
happens to you than the amount of effort or the amount of um, change. I can't think of the right way to put it. But what happens when you have a heart attack is so much more severe and so much more debilitating than general exercise and wellness is that even if you're the unlucky one who's genetically predisposed, you're going to have a heart attack no matter how up you are on it. Why wouldn't you at least try to decrease the likelihood of that happening? Exactly. Give yourself the, the best fighting chance. Right. You know, especially if you had kids or anything like that. You know, it's a matter of trying to stay around as long as you can for, for them. You know, right. and that's, that's, you know, at least would be my motivation. Maybe some people don't have, have the same, same motivators, but um, I just, I just really believe that people don't worry about health until it, it starts to get taken away from them. Yeah. And that, that's the unfortunate part. Right. You know, and people don't understand that what we do in our, our 20s and 30s sets us up for our 40s and 50s. What we do in our 40s and 50s sets us up for our 60s and 70s. And there's absolutely no reason why, why we can't live to 80, 85 plus. You know, I understand that some people don't want to live that long. You know, and to me that sounds slightly crazy because I, I can't imagine that. I want to go as long as I can. You know, I said before I want to live to 100. You know, as long as I'm cognitively and physically able, let me keep going. Yeah. You know, I enjoy it. I enjoy waking up in the morning. I enjoy drinking coffee, yeah, as you know. Yeah. Um, you know, coffee is my thing. But but I've already made that decision. You know, it's just hard sometimes to understand someone's internal motivators and, and why they don't want to choose health. Right. You know, and, and we're, we're fortunate that the people that come here are very dedicated to health when they see you. You know, when they come to see me. They want to get better from a physical therapy standpoint so they can work on their health. So, you know, I'm, I'm very fortunate that we're biased right now. Yeah. Because we're surrounded yes. by people that love health. They, they want everything to do with it. You know, whether it's, you know, we're dealing with, you know, we can say the, the team members' names and Ashley and Megan and Dylan and, and Jared and Sarah. And, you know, everyone's just all about health, which is nice. Right. You know, because at any one time, we're just, we're surrounded by each other. Right. You know, it's like you hang out with with five rich people, you're going to become the sixth richest one. You know, if, if you hang out with five geniuses, you'll all of a sudden become the, the sixth. So, right. you know, you, you, you're a product of your environment. So, you know, we're, we're fortunate in that sense. Yeah. And I think, I think, um, I know that a lot of times we tend to see it more so. And I think is the surgical side of things. So when we're talking, I'm talking about like movement based stuff and we've talked about this recently too. Um, and I think a better way to, I'm thinking as I'm talking, like a better way to illustrate it is like surgery when it comes to pain and things like that. Going under the knife for surgery is definitely a greater risk factor, especially when you're, you're doing, you know, you're talking about anesthesia and all that sort of stuff. So if it's a, if the pain is related to something movement based mm -hmm. where you could potentially offset that. Isn't that worth a try first before doing something that's irreversible? And Oh, and that's easy for us to say. Well, right, exactly. Yeah, and easy, I easy for us, but the the layperson doesn't recognize that. Right. You know, because they they then go to a healthcare professional, whether it's an orthopedic surgeon, who looks at everything black and white, you know, and really looks at it from a, a biomedical standpoint or biomechanical and says, you know, this and this is broken, this is causing this, I can fix this and you'll be as good as new recency bias all the person hears is you'll be as good as new mm -hmm. so all of a sudden they're like shit sign me up i'll be as good as new it's rare that that ever happens when i see people for post-surgical care 
oh, so-and-so told me I'll be better and I'll be back to work in five days and I'll start laughing. I'll be like, no, you won't. Well, they said, it's like, well, uh, they were blowing smoke up your ass. Right. You know, that's probably one person ever in their history that got back to work with this surgery in five days. Right. It just doesn't work that way. The laws of healing, the laws of tissue healing, it just doesn't work that way. So, you know, and, and, and we've talked about this before. And the reason we've talked about this topic today is because we have a lot of people coming to us that say, oh, so-and-so told me I can't do this. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, just stop working out. What? <laughs> stop working out to let your to let your elbow heal? Well, well, your elbow is one one hundredth of you. Right. What's going to happen? You know, and let's say it's a, a tennis elbow, some yeah. shit like that. It's going to take six to eight weeks to heal. So, what's going to happen to their health in the meantime by not working out? What's going to happen to their mental health? What's going to happen to any other type of health? I don't care what the hell we talk about at this point. It's going to suffer. Right. Especially if these people enjoy working out. That's their that's their stress management strategy. It's their hobby, whatever we choose to call it. Um, but recommending that someone does not work out, you might as well recommend don't eat, don't sleep. Yep. You know. You know what, Adam? What I want you to do? I want you to go out and get really stressed today. Go out, just absolutely go batshit crazy. Just go do it. You know, just because I think it'll be good for you. It'll help. It'll help you heal. Right. I just. That's why we need the rage cage. Right. I need to go back. And this is how we get into this, like, repeat. The thing, too, is that that builds a repeated cycle, too. So you have somebody, maybe somebody is seeing me or is, you know, doing strength and conditioning. Maybe they've been working out with us for five years. They love trap bar deadlifting. They love doing this. They love doing that. It makes them feel good about themselves, and they just enjoy doing it. And then they have this ache or pain that crops up, and they're told not to do it. So then... You know, if you're the if you're the person that has done it for a while and has had good coaching and people that explain to you why things are important and you believe them, then maybe this doesn't make a difference. But for the average person who was, let's say this person was 45 with the, when they started with you, and now they're 50, so they've been with you for five years, they love doing all this stuff, never has hit, had an issue, and then, you know, they just have a strain. Let's say lower back. I, we know we talked about elbow, but like what's more common? Lower back, something like that. They go see this health care professional and this healthcare professional says, okay, you need to back up, back off the weights and maybe not exercise for two weeks. Okay, that person hears that and like that, so that's somewhere swimming around in their head. And then that connects with all the times that they've heard that when you hit 50, your body just goes to shit. And then that connects with one other thing they heard about the fact that when you turn 50, your limbs get longer for no apparent reason. And some other (laughs) bullshit like thing that was seen in a case study with 100 people but doesn't apply to barely anyone. And those dots start to connect. And before you know it, they've aged 10 years in two years because they've started to believe all this shit that they just can't do it. They just And then that continues to cycle and it gets worse because they're not doing more. And then it gets worse because they're not, and then they're old. And oh. then they're worse because they're old. And then they're older. Sure. And then it just... Well, it's, it's interesting you bring that up because for the longest time, you know, I, I've said, I really feel like people get old because they feel like that's what they have to do. Right. You know, they, they've looked at generations before them and they watch people get old. And they think that's what aging is. Getting old. A- aging aging is going to happen. You know, it really doesn't, it, none of us are going to stop it. Yeah. The only way you stop it is by dying. That, that's it. Right. Um, but we don't have to get old. You know, it's, it's, it, people say this, it's a mindset and it, and it really is, you know, and, and 
I know 80, 80 year olds that, that come in and, and looking at them, watching them, hearing them, uh, being around them, you would never guess they're, they're 80. And then there are times you see 50 year olds and it's like, holy shit, this person's 20 years younger than my mother. Like I would have never have guessed that. It's, it's crazy. I remember we had, uh, I'll never forget, it stays in my head because it was just so, like the perfect example. There was once before we moved into this facility, when we were at the old one, um, we have a client who is in her mid-80s now, I think, early 80s, something like that. Regardless, she was in her, she was like 80, 81 when this happened. We had a new client came in, uh, was coming in for her first day, and we were doing... Um, Either Turkish getups or roll to po- roll to post. We just call the bottom half of the Turkish getup. That's our terminology here. So it's like the first three steps. Um, and I'm working with her, and it's the the roll to post variation we do is three steps. It's elbow, hand, hips off the ground. Mm. Okay, so I'm just trying to work with her. You know what? And she's she, we know we've done a movement screen with her already. At that time, we were doing movement screens a little bit more so. So I knew what her patterns were. I knew what she could and couldn't do, um, you know, from a from a mobility standpoint. And just like, okay, up onto the elbow. Okay, up onto the hand. Oh, I can't do that. I'm too old. No. I can't do that. I can't do that. And she is literally, literally sitting. She was, I think, like 68, 69, 70 years old. So right around that, she was literally sitting next to the 80-year-old woman doing full Turkish get-ups. And I'm not talking like ran triathlons her entire life and now she's 80 and still goes out on 100-mile jogs. I'm talking like your normal normal age, was always active, always doing things, but yeah. not like your hyper-competitive exerciser just normal for most of her entire life and then came in and started for you know she wanted to wanted to be able to continue playing golf is why she came in to to train with us and she's literally sitting next to someone 10 years younger saying they're too old to be doing this when we know that her body will allow her to it's her mind it's 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 crazy to see and that, that, I mean, that's the only time that it's been that obvious. Mm. But it, it's nuts yeah. how much your mind can control. That's the case, you know. I'm I'm old. I can't do it. You know, it's like the word can't in general really breaks down to don't want to or don't know how. Right. And it's like, well, we're going to show you how. So if you still can't do it, it just means you don't want to. And that's completely different. And that's fine. We don't need everyone to want to do it. Right. But for the people here, we'll show you how. Right. You know, and that's... That's how we really should be approaching health. We, we should be showing people how, you know. And I just think we, we need healthcare professionals, strength conditioning coaches, you know, people that are just in health and wellness, you know, to step up and take charge and be like, what, the, the system sucks that we're currently in. We can do it better. It's just unfortunately the, the current system is, is too big, too powerful, has mm-hmm. way too much money. So, you know, we, again, just get pushed down that that. The ladder of, of healthcare professionals and, and you know, the, they're up there wearing their fancy coats saying, you know, do this because I said so, you right. know. And there are some more like, I think we'll get into it a lot more next week when we start going into insurance about why some of those, why some of these things have happened. Um, because there's a lot more behind it other than us just saying like, well, you have to be more preventative versus like them telling, there's, uh, that's not the best way to put it. But like there's, there's more reasons behind why 
like things in the medical field are the way they are, and insurance is a big part of it. And I won't let you get off on it because we only we're already fifty minutes in, and I'm, I don't want to start. You'll end up, yeah, you'll end up dry peeling out of here at hundred miles an hour. I'm I'm, I'm going to keep my comments to myself. I'll wait till we till we record that one. Perfect. All right. So then uh, let's let's finish up with a little bit of, and I hope you don't mind me putting you on the spot a little bit here. No. So tell me just some some simple things let's start off with some ways that stress can actively increase your morbidity rate you know like talk about how we tend to think that like heart disease in quotes is from eating too many whoppers whereas like some ways that stress can affect that even more so and then let's go into like a we'll round out with just some like a few stress management type things and go from there. Yeah, so when we talk about stress, and we may have touched upon it before, you know, stress is a naturally occurring event that happens in our body. You know, really our body responds to acute stressors. You know, really it sets us up for survival. You know, and and basically we become stronger because of that. Our body adapts and we move on. You know, really it's the whole basis of of the uh, adaptation syndrome and and it's it's a positive. You know, let's just say we were out trying to hunt down a dinosaur, the dinosaur chases us, you know, we need to load up our cortisol, we need to get the hell out of there so it doesn't kill us, you know, it's fight or flight, you know, I need to survive. Well, the only problem is in today's world, we don't have that acute stressor, we have chronic stressors, you know, and those chronic stressors, unfortunately, reverse our adaptation syndrome, you know, instead of it being a very positive for us, it becomes a negative. So what it does, it ends up dumping too much cortisol in our system, which can have an inflammatory effect throughout our entire body. So we have a chronic low low level of inflammation that's always sitting there in us. That's going to change our cardiovascular system. So it's going to change a lot of the um, just the way that our blood vessels stiffen so we don't get as much blood flow in and out. That's also going to start to cause plaque buildup as well because that low level inflammation as well. And then that's when bad foods on top of that certainly play a role. We'll also see that our hormone system, the endocrine system, can also be changed as well. So, you know, everything, it's just like these these uh, negative embers are burning at all times when we have chronic stress. It literally changes the synapses in our brain. It, it's just, it, it's wild. You know, it literally kills brain cells. Um, you know, we can't think. Usually our, our cognitive functioning, our, our executive area, our frontal lobe can't think. Um, we lose memory, our short-term memory, our long-term memory becomes affected because of this. We have decreased uh, dopamine and serotonin levels. So then, again, usually our, our risk of depression goes up at that point. So, and that's just, uh, that's just to name a few. And that happens to all of us on, on a daily basis. Now, some people have better coping strategies than others. You know, and, and really the big thing now is really mindfulness, awareness, meditation, you know, just being present and in the moment. You know, and understanding that these these negative moments are just that they're they're moments. You know, they're they're fleeting. You know, it's it's not going to be there forever. But not a lot of us can recognize that. So it's we look too far ahead. We just think the worst about everything. And you know, next thing we know, we have cardiovascular disease, pulmonary disease, metabolic syndrome, uh, diabetes type two, when a lot of it was caused due to that that chronic stress and then our inability to sleep and our, our poor nutritional habits and our lack of exercise because we were too tired because we got home from the office late after we just got done fighting with our boss about something that wasn't done on time so that also just becomes kind of that that vicious cycle but exercise is is really one of the best ways that people can manage their stress 
you know, and, and they've shown that over and over again, our blood cortisol levels literally decrease when, when we exercise. We also see that our endorphins are raised, so it's our feel-good hormones. Um, so that's, that's usually the first recommendation that I'll make is, is just make sure that you move. So it doesn't have to be structured exercise. It can just be going for a walk. You know, it can be going for a jog, it can be sitting on a recumbent bike, you know, it can be going for a hike in the woods, just something to get you moving. You know, and then from there, if people want to start getting into meditation, that's usually what I'll talk to them about. Uh, and meditation can take many different avenues. It doesn't just have to be sitting alone, eyes closed in a dark room with no sound. You know, that's what people think of because they don't want distractions. But for some people, you know, that could be cleaning the house, that could be doing dishes, that could be tapping on their leg, just something that, that, that makes them in the moment. Now, sometimes we have to be careful the difference between a meditative moment compared to a pacifier. Sometimes people do pacifiers to avoid a moment. Um, so there, there's a fine line between that. But even just deep breathing. You know, deep breathing strategies work well. We have to get the nervous system to really calm down. So when I have people that come in that, that have chronic pain and they have chronic stress and poor eating habits, I may not even get to exercise. You know, maybe they're just laying here on the table and I, I just ask them to breathe. You know, just take nice deep breaths. You know, really it's just retraining the body to calm down all over again. You know, but there's there's multiple strategies that, that people will use, but those are just a couple that I'll start people with when I see them in office. Yeah, and I think uh, kind of going on the along that, it was funny because I remember one of the one of the first posts went after you started, I put out that post, God, was that last, just after last Christmas. Remember I put the one about video games. Yeah. And um, I just put a post out saying that like, you know, for me, I need something like video games works for me. I don't, I barely ever play them, but now, but what I find with that is that it takes so much of my focus that it actually like, it forces me to not be thinking about other things. Mm -hmm. And that's hard for me. It's very difficult for me personally, a lot of times to shut that down when there's a lot going on. I'm somebody that needs to, I mean, I don't know, call it low grade anxiety. I don't know, but I'm somebody that needs to think out all the different ways that something can happen. And it, it's good in a lot of ways, but sometimes when that spiral happens, you know, reading doesn't do it. I look at the book and I'll get four pages in and realize, I have no fucking clue what the hell I just read and, and have to go, go back. back. Exactly. Yeah. And then that gets stressful too. Like, God damn it. Like, and, but something that takes all my attention. And, and for me, it's something like that. Again, you have to be careful. Are you just, are you using it as a tool to, again, live in the moment or, you know, are you using it so that, well, I don't really feel like working, so I'm going to play instead. And, and that's, that's not something that, you know, there's no, there's no list to check that I know of, at least to check off whether or not to know that you have to figure that out yourself. But mm -hmm. what I also do is, so you're more on the the uh, like body side of it. When I'm working with people trying to, they don't know it, but it's essentially de-stress. When I'm talking to them, when they come in, they're trying to lose weight. They're trying to, they want to exercise more consistently. And again, I'm always taking the proactive approach. Okay, you're having trouble getting in here. When can you come in next week? You know, I do it sometimes, I do it more so with my online training clients because it's the days aren't quite as structured as it is at Get Fit. Yeah. Where, um, you know, I'll say the week before, okay, what days are you going to train next week? I can do Monday, 
Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. Great. So that's when I'm going to put your training days. Uh, or uh, I'm not sure. Okay, well, let's put it this way. What days do you know are almost never good for you? Monday, Wednesday, I'm always running. Around. Okay, so we're not going to put it on Monday, Wednesday. We're going to proactively look at that and say, Monday, Wednesdays are never good. Mm. So I'm not going to prescribe you. I may say like go for a walk or something like that. But if I want you to be consistent in exercise, a lot of times it can't be reactive, which I think is a lo- also a lot of the reason why, you know, I don't know all the, I can't get into numbers exactly, but my our morning classes here tend to be more consistent than the afternoons. And, I, and I'm sure that that has a lot to do with the fact that Nothing can derail you usually at 5 a.m. You get up, you go train. It's less reactive than training after. I mean, you know, everybody's schedule is different, so whether or not that's possible. But it's the same thing when it comes to nutrition. If you're constantly reactive and you're saying, I need to lose 30 pounds by blank date, then you get to date and then it all goes off the rails. If you, you need to think about it as I need to be consistent with my nutrition, with what I have to be happy with small losses over time if that's my goal because that is a much more proactive repo- approach that's going to get you there. If you're yeah. constantly thinking I need to lose 50 pounds, you know, it's the, the old sport, you know, the old sports adage of you, you know, can't get it all back in one shot. You know, you're down by 25 points. You can't just be hucking threes the whole time hoping that, you know, 50% of them are going to go in. No, you got to chip away at it over a longer period of time. Otherwise, it's it's just continuing to add to that reactive cycle. Correct. So. Yeah, it's, it's again, at, at the end of the day, you know, really it's all about taking control of your own health. You know, it, it's a matter of finding things that work for you. And then if we want to take it one step further, you know, really the the best defense against our our medical system when it's mismanaged is not needing it. Mm -hmm. You know, ideally we should only be showing up to to the doctor's office if there's absolutely no other choice, you know. So let's, let's not have a reason for going in the first place. You know, let's just show up for our fiscal every two to five years or yearly, whatever they... I'm on a five-year plan now, so I don't, I don't know what they recommend for everyone. But um, every five years I show up, they tell me I'm good to go for another five. So I can only be so lucky. I mean, I want the same for everyone else. Yeah. So, all right, Ross, what do you think? I think we'll let them go. We've talked their ears off today. All right. So, guys, again, um, so check the, the links at the uh, in the episode description. That'll go into um, my uh, email address if you guys have any questions for the show. It'll also offer links to uh, Ross's supplements if you have any questions about, you know, what are some great ones. He gets them all the time. We get them all the time. What are good protein powders? What are good this? What are good that? So he's real good with that, and there are a lot of that, you know, he can just kind of say, okay, go here. Um, and also for that, ask Ross anything tomorrow night, so Thursday night. Oh, we're recording this on Wednesday. So when you hear this, it will be tonight, but there will be a link in the episode description episode description for that as well uh and if you guys have any questions you know the drill so we are all done i am out all right guys take care